started. Welcome to NP's Changing Practice. I'm Carol, and we are have a wonderful guest today. Dr. Fairs is with us, and um, you're a psychiatric nurse, right? I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner, and I did start out as a family nurse practitioner, and then I went back to school and got my certification in psychiatry. So I think that's what I'm interested in. So tell us a little bit, tell um, students that would be considering people who are NPs or just uh, coming into the psychiatric track, what attracted you to uh, want to seek that second certification? Okay, well, uh, many years ago, <laughs> probably around 1999, 2000, when I got my FNP, um, there really wasn't a lot of psychiatric nurse practitioner programs around. And so many FNPs worked in psychiatry. You know, you were under the umbrella of your, the physician. Right, right. Similar was, to acute care now. I mean, right. when I started, so, there wasn't an acute care program. So that was basically, you could, it was allowed. But um, so that's, you know, I I lived really close to a psych. A, private um, psychiatric hospital. So I was started there kind of helping on the side, but as a, a family nurse practitioner, usually most patients will come to you first before they see a specialist or a psychiatrist. Absolutely. And so I needed to know more information and I began to see that it's very misunderstood. There's still a bad uh, stigma about mental health. A lot of people don't understand it. I like to think of it as medical. And I tell my patients this too. It's your brain. That's just where your moods come from. So, you know, you have heart, liver, you know, if your pancreas doesn't make uh, insulin, you're diabetic. If your brain doesn't make the feel-good chemicals, which are serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, right. then, you know, you're depressed or you're anxious. Uh, if you're making too much dopamine, you can hear voices and see things that aren't there. So I, that I always let them know that think of it as medical and they, it's not just willful behavior. They, you know, they really have out. something that's wrong. And I do think you're right. There is that stigma that they think that um, they should be able to overcome it. Yes. Get over it. Or, yeah, get over it. And why can't I get myself out of the and A lot of people, um, you ask them a family history because it's very important to know if there's a family history of especially bipolar disorder or depression. And well, no, we never talked about it. Nobody would ever talk about it if they did, you know. <laughs> right, right. They didn't. They didn't want to. So, uh, and uh, and I still have the FNP in me because I, even though I'm doing a lot of telehealth right now, um, it's very rewarding because a lot of the my patients may not have transportation. I'll give you an example. I had a patient who went to the ER months before I saw him. He was a new patient to me, and he had been told he has diabetes. Well, he never followed up with me, so I didn't have a car. I didn't have gas money. So I'm like, well, let's get you checked today. And the nurse came in, and oh, my goodness, his blood sugar was way up there, yeah. way up there. So I sent him over to get medical care, and you know, then now he's treated, and he's more balanced. I had another patient, just from listening to her symptoms. So there's the F&P in me. I'm always asking about their mood, but I'm also asking other things. Well, yeah, it could mind. be thyroid. It could be their, it could be thyroid. Under, so you need underlying things that are causing them to feel that way. Well, she was, um, you know, fortunately she had a caseworker with her. Her blood pressure was really low. I'm you're going to the ER. She ended up having a UTI with sepsis and they admitted her. 
So she yeah, was in trouble. Was, yeah, <laughs> so. um, but now, I, you know, I worked in rural health for seven years and I totally understand mm. what you're talking about. 50% of the cases that came through the door had an underlying depression, anxiety. Um, and I was the only person that they had to touch wow. with. You know, yeah. um, sometimes it was a transportation thing. I was the only person that, you know, was in close enough proximity that they could go see, or the wait list was just so long to get them in to see anybody else that I had to start some somewhere and right. totally understand that feeling of what do I prescribe? How <laughs> much do I go? You know, and you always go start low, 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 you keep going. But I think I think most primary people stay low. <laughs> you know, they just yeah. like get them started and they say, OK, are you good? Um, I came across this one tool that I love and I used it on my patients all the time, which is uh, Gene Sight. And oh, yes. Had a representative come uh -huh. out and we could collect like it used to be like you said we would say do you have a family history of a mental illness do you have anybody that had took any kind of medications in your family did anything really work for them we were like mm -hmm. guessing to find out which ssri which ssnri would work for them right mm -hmm. but with gene sight you got um like a personalized little plan that said these medicines, you know, were worked better for this person. Yes. You, you kind of had some guidance there. So, I mean, what do you think of that type of, of a tool? Uh, well, we have the, it's, uh, you're talking about the lab work. There's yeah. gene of mine is what I've used too. And, they yeah, and, and there's probably other things. Ours had to right. do the swab in their mouth and then they got the DNA. There, and yes, that too. Everything. And they'll kind of tell you which medications this patient will do best with. Right. And um, although I did have a patient, none of them worked on the reports. She was just very challenging. But they are also good for other medications too, like yeah. pain medicine. Pain medicine, anti-anxiety. And, and chronic pain and depression go together. Right. And the uh, folate deficiency because mm -hmm. people just don't have enough right. of methylfolate. And right. I found that that to be uh, something to be aware of because that mm -hmm. it affected things. So how did you find that transition? Did you always work in psych or did you? No, work? no, yeah. I've worked. So, I worked in a family practice first. And then, like I said, I had an opportunity to help out doing physicals. You know, they had to tell yeah. physicals when they come into a psych psychiatric hospital, they have to be medically cleared. So oh, what is the, what have you found the most rewarding as a psychiatric nurse practice? As a psychiatric nurse practice, well, I I absolutely love it. But I, I like I said, I still get to do the medical. You know, I, I can order lab work and I manage their medical um, diagnosis also. But watching people you see their lives change. Um, I mean, not just socially, uh, economically, and you know, occupationally, they go back to school, they can go back to work. Some people are homeless, um, and they don't want to live, and they're in you know, great despair. And then you, you, they come back, they'll be sitting in your office crying. And then they come back, you think you're, they're going to do cartwheels out of your office, you see them get better, you get therapy, you get the right medication. And, and sometimes and you have a therapeutic approach, which is what you really learn a lot of in uh, psych, the psych program, right? I mean, right. it's not just learning about the psychiatric medicines in much more detail, which I think is huge, right? It's just a really good uh, tool to have no know, know more about 
medications and how much I mean as a practitioner I can remember patients coming to me that were on lithium and mm -hmm. I would need to renew mm -hmm. their scripts and it would scare the, the, yes. the daylights <laughs> out of me because I'm like oh my gosh you know um you know they didn't have any other provider until we could get that uh, kidneys the thyroid yeah, just all of that you know and so some of them you just need to really know what you're doing with it what's the best one but as you said that you learn a therapeutic approach which right. is a little different well, you know, you never have enough time with patients, no matter what, what patient it is, but, you know, they have a sore throat or earache or something, diabetes, you manage that, but you don't see the part where now they can have a life, their life back, you know, here, if a person is not is. wanting to live. Yeah. I mean, they come to you with their life. They feel, their they feel worthless, you know, hopeless. They don't feel they have any value or purpose. And then then you see this whole new person, you know, and that's very just part of that journey. That is, that is really, um, that is something that would really um, put it's, a lot of joy in your work. It's a disability you cannot see though. You can see a physical ailment, but you don't see the depression as much, you know, or they hide it. Many people hide it. They'll act like they're happy, but they're really not. But um, we call it a disability you cannot see. So it's important that you understand that, you know. And well, and yeah, I, I think too, they sometimes patients test their boundaries by saying just a little bit to find out how safe it is to be able to really talk to you. And if they're going to yes. be met with judgment, uh, especially if there's things uh, we have to be very culturally aware there's there's you know yes whatever yeah, whatever yeah. their issues are they're going to start i think with you know revealing a little bit of themselves and the more yeah. you build that therapeutic relationship the more you have i really like motivational interviewing i think we need to learn a lot more about that in practice because we have this idea sometimes i love np students when they first come into the program you know i'm going to just tell my patients what to do and educate them mm -hmm. and that's going to fix it and i'm like how did that work with teenagers you know <laughs> you know i mean you know education yes we need to educate but education alone doesn't fix it Right. You know, I mean, they already know if they have a weight problem. They already know if they yes. have a smoking problem. They already know if they they have a hopeless problem. You know, educating them is not it. Well, it's not revealing. You know, we have to do a whole lot more than that. So we have to help them find their motivation for wanting to change or to live or yes. to, you know. And we have tools in our toolkit, mm -hmm. like we said. But um, so. What would you tell a student thinking about coming into the psych program? I would, uh, you know, I would say that you it would be worth looking into. You're going to see them as an FNP also. They're going to come to you first. So you need some basic knowledge of um, the medications. I see a lot of mistakes. I had a primary care. Um, I have one who checks with me all the time before he makes any changes um, between in my visit and his visit. But he doubled the dose one time and it was 40 milligrams was the maximum. He would put the patient on 80 and I'm like, oh. no, so please yeah, educate yourself on psychiatry. But one thing I do want to add is uh, children get depressed too. And we often overlook that. And I was trying to, I think we still should be doing depression screenings in school, starting in kindergarten. Um, the hospital I used to work at, they started at age four. 
Um, there is uh, an infant psychiatrist at Washington University who studies. Wow. Um, yes, whether you're born depressed or was mom depressed when she's pregnant or it was at the environment that the baby's in. And you don't think of, you know, you may call them failure to thrive, but you don't think of them as depressed. But children will um, be depressed. You can, it comes out in drawings or they'll say, I don't want to live. You know, they'll put their face in a pillow. That's their attempt at, you know, not hurting themselves. But we don't want to overlook that. It can present as the class clown. The child is in the nurse's office all the time with a stomach ache or a headache. And um, you need to find out what's going on with that child, you know, are they being But I think we're all kind of scared as primary care people to dose children. Right. Right. I mean, I think that is one of the areas. And I I definitely did have some children that um, we did have to refer some that were hospitalized. And that was always scary because it was like, you know, an adult, that's one whole world. Right. what's the safe medicine how do we you know how do we fix that well there's therapy there's play therapy works well for children because they may not be able to express themselves but they will with toys and they can act out and play um but also therapy's good uh, maybe situational it could be something a situation that's going on that you can correct or um you know, maybe some working with the parents, getting some resources for the parents, maybe their parenting skills. So a lot of the kids, um, but we, we seem to overlook kids. And the sooner you get help for a child, um, the earlier you're going to avoid maybe using drugs as a teenager. Or, you know, Do you think that's a lot of our school. problem with our kids too, as they start self-medicating? I think that yeah. is at a younger age all the time. You know, you know, alcohol, drugs, different things like that, just to try to feel nor depressed and many times uh, and so that's something i think uh, we should be getting there's software for it it's easy to use uh, i think once a year we do immunizations we should be doing depression screenings in children too and, and as, as a if you're working in pediatrics that's something you want to be aware of too um, so what would be um so what's the biggest change when you switched from I guess the FNP into the psych role would be that therapeutic relationship, right? Yes. That is the biggest thing that you're learning that is because I mean they do get introduced in NP school to all these medicines. Now they're going to delve, delve a little deeper, but they never delve into a therapeutic relationship. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about yeah, that. Not usually, but you know, I think it's important to be aware of that and to be at least doing some basic screenings on your patients but I think the therapeutic relationship but you see I I can get them housing I have resources to help them find employment I can help them with food you know transportation (laughs) all kinds of things yes it's just kind of like like a social worker too sort of yeah very much yes So you're trying to, because you are really dealing, I mean, that is challenging to have somebody that's homeless and depressed, um, you know, or suicidal and to know when to call, you know, when is this a moment we need to call an ambulance or when, how do we say to the hospital, Yes. you know, safely, how do we, you know, how do we make that safety plan for them to make sure that they are safe? A lot of, a lot of anxiety, I would think as a provider, and I've certainly had it as an FNP where they were that depressed and I've, you know, had to call the ambulance and say, you know, they, they have a plan, Um, but not, not having the training. 
to know right. exactly how to, what are the mistakes you see commonly that, that practitioners make if they had more training, they wouldn't make? A lot of it probably is the choice of psychiatric medication. And that's very important. <laughs> I see that often or not taking, a, you always want to take a suicidal thought seriously. And sometimes they just, you know, they don't, they think, oh, they're not going to do anything. Uh, or the patient will say they're not, but you, you get trained where you can pick up on that, ask the right questions. Um, sometimes they're in denial, but you'll learn to get through that. But I think mostly is medications until they can get into a psychiatrist too. Well, I've actually seen like just, I mean, just looking at our program, the psych program is thriving to mm -hmm. say the least, right? I mean, you're getting tons of, of new students every year. Yeah, we're more aware of mental health. It's more acceptable or before society, we didn't screen. We didn't want to talk about it. Well, and I think too, nurse practitioners fill such a vital role. We are so short in, in mental health professionals mm -hmm. everywhere that, and we have, I mean, we've just come off of COVID, um, which has got its whole, a whole new that of psychiatric implications. Yeah, very more severe. I think I've seen, I've never seen such severity since COVID, um, depression, you know, anxiety. Well, we are separated from family. Yeah. You know, it was so interesting because like in that time frame, what I noticed, I mean, we in the hospitals, we had to separate people because of the, you know, rules and everything, but the damage that did um, I, I'll never forget, we had a patient and she was in the ICU and it was just moments uh, that, you know, she looked like we were going to have to intubate her and she couldn't have any visitors. And then her husband got COVID and oh. was able, to, it was in the same hospital and so they allowed him to be in her room because they both had COVID oh, okay. and she made it. Wow. She completely turned around. All it took was that touch of his hand and to say, honey, come on, you need to eat something. Just try a little something for me. I mean, I don't know that we realize the power that we have in touch and in and empathy and, you know, just being present for each other and how much, you know, that really damaged people when they couldn't do that. But I, you know, I would definitely recommend um, if someone's interested, since she, even an FNP just gets some type of uh, psych experience, I'm sure a lot of um, practitioners will let you shadow them or be glad. To, and I've done that. They say, oh, I'm thinking, yeah, about, yeah. can I spend a day with you or, you know, and just come in and ask me a lot of questions. I think the big barrier for a lot of people coming back for certificates is that they have to figure out how to do all the clinical hours. Mm -hmm. like you know, but they are necessary. Yes. I mean, they really are. When you think about it, well, how many hours is it now? 750? Yeah. And then and that changes. That's not even enough. I it's mean, it's going to go up before it goes down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like really still not enough. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's enough to get your feet wet, but you're talking about a whole new, new, um, area of, of treatment that you're not familiar with and you're you're trying to get a, a handle on it yes so I, I, very I rewarding very very rewarding though i'm 
I don't regret it at all. No regrets. <laughs> no, but I still, I said, there's always the F and P in me because I'm always looking medically at a person too. <laughs> so I think that the, the two together are beautiful or mm -hmm. adult Jiro with psych. I mean, yes. I think psych personally, I think psych should be a part of every one of the disciplines. And then you have this one discipline where it goes in even deeper. But mm -hmm. like you said, we as practitioners, it's su such a part of our practice that we, we really need to pay. And I do want to add one thing is um, they always blame the psych meds when there's any symptoms or side effects. And, and I say always rule out anything medical first. Because that could be an emergency where I can change their psych med, but that's going to take time too. You taper off or you switch it. But if any symptoms, don't assume it's the psych meds. Please, please uh, remember to get them cleared medically. Well, and that's absolutely uh, important because they can have a medicine um, that they just started or something, and then that just makes them completely confused and acting abnormal. It has nothing to do. I'll never forget the patient I had. They started her on shingles medication, and um, she went completely hallucinating and everything. Oh, and it was yeah. really, really a dramatic change uh, with that medicine. She went into uh, kidney issues, which, of yes. course, you know, that makes you confused. And she was older. So yeah. it wasn't her psych meds at all. It was exactly like you right. said. A urinary tract infection. Uh, there was, and I won't say which hospital, but there was a patient on the medical unit and she had a mental status change, behavior change. They put in for a psych consult. And while they were waiting for that, the patient died of a brain hemorrhage. Oh so my God. After that, it wasn't my patient, but I, I always said, nope, I want them checked out medically first and cleared before. Um, before you, yeah, because I, yeah, I totally, before you assume it, yeah, you do have to always, always make sure you're looking at that medical. And that's where that FNP or that AGNP really, that mm -hmm. background really helps too. Yeah. Um, I think that that's really important to have. And a, a basic psych understanding is, is really important. Well, Diana, thank you so much for taking time with us. Um, any parting words you would say to your students? Um, just uh, my uh, psych students or FNPs thinking about yeah. going to psych? Any, any. Well, I just think they go together. I really do. I, like I said, I think psychiatry is still medical because it's your brain. It's just a different organ that we're focusing absolutely. on. So they do absolutely go together hand in hand. Yeah. And um, we are blessed to have fantastic teachers like you who really help to, um, you know, help our students get the best handle on um, your whole program is really, really good. So anybody out there listening that's thinking about transitioning from an FNP or GAGNP and adding a psych certificate on. Um, it'll help you. It cannot hurt. It's only mm -hmm. going to make you better at what you do, no matter where you end up practicing. You're going to learn about the therapeutic uh, aspect of counseling in a way, uh, building people up and maybe helping to help them reshape their lives and change their lives. So that, that is a really in a rewarding kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's worth the time. It's not that much time. It is worth the time. Mm -hmm. So um, we thank you for coming and being with us, Diane. And um, for the rest of you out there, stay tuned. We will be with you again next week uh, with another interesting case to try to solve the mystery of. So we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.